1: Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we're going to hear the first message in a new series that started a few weeks ago at River City called The Doorway. With a message called The Mathematics of Prayer first, Pastor Sean wants to invite you to a very special leadership conference coming to San Antonio, as this is Real Life Radio.
2: Before I get in the message, I want to uh, give a real quick plug for Leadership Summit. Leadership Summit is August 14th and 15th. We are a host site for one of the finest leadership training events in the world. It really is. It's incredible. It is simulcast to hundreds of sites throughout the U.S. and around the world, and we are one of those sites. The reason we did that... It is some of the finest training from some of the finest authors, leaders around the nation and around the world. And it's all done in this, from this perspective of a faith-based conversation. I've not seen anything like it. There's nothing else that you can get that is at this caliber and that takes into consideration our faith. What do we as, and, and whether you're in ministry, whether you're a business person, whether you're someone whose primary business is to raise a family. There will be something for you. You can go to reallife.org/slash-summit and you can register. And I just want to encourage you. It's two days, August 14, 15. One of the best two days as far as just building, equipping, stretching your thinking. Bill Hybels, great pastor leader, always a high point of the summit. This year they have Tyler Perry. You ever want to get into the mind of the guy who creates, who created Medea? You know, I've kind of <laughs> taken to calling it Medea does summit. Okay. Louis Giglio, great pastor, leader. All kinds of business leaders and authors. It is two days packed. Your head will be screaming. But you'll have a notebook full of notes and you'll have some stuff. And always there are two, three great life-changing points that I take from it that I go, okay, I'm going to do something different in my leadership because of Summit. So I just want to encourage you, take a couple days off work and be a part of Summit. You will not be disappointed. Okay? I just want to take... A moment and say again, thanks to all of you who served and helped make it possible for me to be gone. It was great, but I missed you guys. I missed you guys and had an awesome time. Uh, part of the trip, I was in Ireland and got to serve some of our team there. Got to have an uh, incredible time of prayer and just time away with the Lord, which over the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about. Um, but let me just say, God really met me. And he spoke some things to me that I hope and pray are going to be transformative for us as a fellowship. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Because in Mark chapter 6, we have a story where the disciples had been ministering They come back and they tell Jesus about it. Jesus, in the meantime, had received some bad news about the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. And what he says to his disciples is, come away to a quiet place of rest. And that's what they try to do. But in verse 32, we're going to see that other things were in store. It says, they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, or when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Jesus. And it says he had compassion on them. Aren't you glad, Jesus, when he sees the crowd and he sees the great need, he has compassion? Here he wanted to get away, wanted the disciples to get some rest, but he said he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said... This is a desolate place, the hour's late, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You know, they're trying to show Jesus we're compassionate too, but they were kind of like this little vacation with Jesus thing. And it's like these crowds, we were out ministering for a week and they were there and we see some of the same people and we just want to rest. Jesus, send them away to go get something to eat and Jesus blows their mind just a little bit. But he answered them, he says, you give them something to eat. And you have to know, this is a massive crowd. We're going to find out there were 5,000 men plus women and children. And so, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they're waiting for him to, like, crack up. They're waiting for, like, the, you know, it's a joke, right? Nothing. You give them something to eat. They're waiting for a little smirk. Come on, you're, you're kidding, right? Jesus. Right? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, and they're being a little sarcastic here. You gotta, This is disciple pushback, what we're seeing, okay? They said to him, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? That's about eight months wages, okay, for a regular working guy. So you do the math. Shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to him to eat? He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see it. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And what we know from John's account is that this was some little kid's lunch. And I contend that's the biggest miracle of the whole story, that they got some little kid to give up his lunch. I've tried and never had success. But he's Jesus. They got these five loaves. So these aren't big loaves. They're small, little personal loaves that this kid's mom sent with him. Five loaves, two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. They took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, five loaves, two little fish, 12 baskets of leftovers. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And we know there was a little kid, and we know there was women. It's an amazing miracle. It's an unbelievable miracle, actually. John says in his account that the people were absolutely amazed, and they recognized this is a unique prophet of God, and that they wanted to make Jesus king right there and then. They saw something they'd never seen before, and it blew their minds. But what's interesting is right after that, they get out into a boat, and you kind of know the story. They go out in a boat and the water's rough. Jesus had sent the disciples in the boat and he comes along walking on the water and they are freaked out. And Jesus gets in the boat and he says, why are you afraid? And, and what he says He says this little comment which is going to be really relevant here in just a moment. He says, Mark tells us, they didn't understand the message of the feedings and that their hearts were hard. Really? And so we find in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus actually does it again. Some people miss this. Some people think, wow, well, there's a discrepancy in the story because Mark told this story of feedings twice. No, Jesus actually does the same kind of thing, different setting, different crowd, different number of people, but he does it again. We're told the crowd had gathered. He had compassion on them because they'd been with him three days and they'd have nothing to eat. Told his disciples, if I send them away to their homes, they'll faint away. And they answered, well, how can one feed these people? Remember, they've just been through this two chapters earlier. It's a desolate place. He said, how many loaves do you have? This time they had seven loaves. We're told verse 6 of Mark 8, he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, took the seven loaves, having given thanks, he broke them, gave them the disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. Had a few small fish, he blessed them, he said, these also should be set before them. They all ate and were satisfied. They took up the broken pieces left over. Seven baskets full. There were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away immediately. He got into the boat with his disciples. And he went to the district of Dalmanutha. Now this is similar, but different. And you're like, why did Jesus do this twice? Because he was trying to get them to understand something. The feeding wasn't the point. The point was this Picture of the kingdom, this picture of Jesus that he wanted them to have, fascinating. Before they got in that boat, again the Pharisees come to Jesus and they demand a sign. They came and they began to argue with Jesus, seeking him from a, a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed deeply in his spirit and he said, "Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation." He left them, got in the boat, went to the other side. But a conversation begins to happen in this boat. He says, now they've forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He cautioned them, saying, watch out. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Leaven is the yeast, the thing. It's the influence on the bread. He says, beware the influence of the Pharisees. Beware the influence of Herod. Why? Why did that one little ask for a sign? Why was he warning them? Well, in Mark 7, after the feeding of the 5,000, there's this fascinating story where the Pharisees and scribes, they confront Jesus on the fact that his disciples don't do this, the proper ceremonial washings when they eat. The question is, how did they know what the disciples did when they eat? How did they know? Were, are they sitting there looking in their windows when they're having their meals? I want to I suggest this is right after the feeding of the 5,000. I believe there are a bunch of Pharisees around This miracle is happening. People are literally seeing the power of God. The people are amazed at the power of God. And there's Pharisees going, but they didn't do the proper washings. Why didn't they wash their hands right? You know the law says you should do. And Jesus is here doing a miracle, a kid's lunch to 5,000 people plus. And all they can focus on is, wait a minute, but you're not following the rules the way we think they should be followed. They missed the whole thing. And Jesus says to them, you hypocrites. He said, you're willing to throw the law away. Whatever it suits you, you're willing to twist it and turn it. He's quite blunt. And then he goes on and says, listen to me. It's not what goes in to the person that defiles them. It's what comes out from the heart. And he's just fed up because... This leaven of the Pharisees was essentially self-righteousness. The leaven of Herod was a nod to religion, but was something that was really all about politics. A little uncomfortable when we think of the religious climate in our current day, actually. But the leaven or the influence, the flavor of the Pharisees was self-righteousness. And he's warning them. So here he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so they, they hear leaven and they think of bread. Okay, they think of the yeast. And so they began discussing. Oh, man, we didn't bring bread. They began discussing the fact they had no bread. Jesus, aware of them, said, Why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Don't you yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Fine. If you want to talk about bread, I'll talk about bread. Having eyes to see. Having ears to hear, you do not remember. And then he asked them a question. When I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to them, well, 12." And the seven for 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said, well, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You can almost hear frustration. The leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees was self-righteousness, which is the exact opposite of the lesson of these feedings which is the power of God, and what I want to call this morning the mathematics of prayer.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this new series called The Doorway. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message, it's available right now as a free download at River City's website called reallife.org. Just look for the sermon link on the left-hand side of the page. And if you think you'd like to come check out River City,
2: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: Welcome back as we return to this message called The Mathematics of Prayer. This is Real Life Radio.
2: Jesus is trying to teach some kingdom mathematics, the mathematics of prayer, and it's absolutely different, and he has just made these huge illustrations on the mathematics of prayer, and they're not getting it. Okay, there's two feedings. Number
1: one,
2: messed up, dried up, why in the world think you could have a oh I'm sorry am I grumbling <laughs> feeding number one how many people were there 5,000 plus right how many loaves did they have five loaves plus prayer how many lo how, how many baskets were left over 12 who said 11 get that kid uh, I mean we love you man <laughs> two second feeding how many people four thousand plus Okay. how many loaves seven loaves plus prayer how many left over okay now let's look at the mathematics of prayer which is greater five thousand plus or four thousand plus excellent which is greater seven or five seven Which is greater, 12 or 7? 12. You guys are great. I'm glad we have the kids in this morning because I think we would have stretched. And this is a lesson in the mathematics on prayer. And here's what Jesus is trying to teach them. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in His. If you're taking notes, write that down because that's some good stuff right there. That's what Jesus is trying to teach them. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in His. We are so into trying to do it with what we have and so addicted to our understanding and our resources. I have a little loaf of bread here. Probably, actually, bigger than the ones that they had. But we're not, you know, Jesus here. I'm going to try to feed the multitudes this morning. This is good news for you because you're the multitude. You see, we can do this. This is how we do it in ministry. We say, hey, God wants to see life change, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to take what we have, and we're going to do the very best. And okay, I've got like 16 pieces. and one two. Oh, okay, there's not 5,000 in here, but there's several hundred. Dang, um, let me cut them again. Okay, everyone's going to be fed. It's going to be exciting, just like Jesus. This is so cool and very they did they have jesus had a knife jesus can walk on water he can get a knife he didn't have a knife always one and it's your sound person too isn't that good okay i need some disciples because we're just gonna we're, everybody's gonna be fed to the fullest just like that because that's what we're doing we're doing ministry just like jesus Where are uh, disciples where are my disciples i need some disciples you better get fired up disciple come on Woo! give this disciple a hand another disciple yes a disciple go distribute the bread distribute Everyone filled. Everyone. Come on, distribute that bread, disciples. Is everyone full? How's it going? You doing good? No? To everyone, oh my gosh. Just like Jesus did. It's weird how that happens. Is everyone full and satisfied? Yeah, no, not so much. See, that's the problem. We get so addicted to what we can do, we sit and say, well, Jesus wants people's lives to change, so what can we do? How can we make that happen? And what ends up happening, Jesus, who said, I am the bread of life, and He feeds people to fullness and overflowing, they end up getting crumbs. When we try to do it in our own power, and our own strength, the best, I, folks, on our best day, with our best gifts, our best talent, the best I've got to offer, our worship teams, our kids ministry teams, our missions team the best we can offer in our own strength to a starving, needy world, desperately hungry for something real, the best we're ever going to offer is crumbs. If we don't understand the mathematics of prayer and the lesson of the feeding, which is simply the more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in His proverbs 3 5 and 6 jesus said trust in the lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make straight your path that's a problem because my understanding i've been trained ever since i was a little kid i've been trained to lean on my own understanding and what the word is trying to tell us is that becomes a crutch Nothing wrong with your understanding until you realize, wait a minute, there's a God in his understanding, his power, his agenda, and his ability is different. And so if I'm going to depend on and lean on my own understanding, it's like a crutch. And I call it cripple Christianity. Where well, the best I'm ever going to do is kind of limp through when God says, that's not what I designed you for. That's not what I meant when I said abundant life, real life. I intended something different. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. Great illustration in the Old Testament. You remember poor Gideon? I think Darna talked about him last week. Gideon, you remember? The Midianites were totally harassing Israel. They were much more powerful at the time, and there was really nothing Israel could do but hide. And Gideon, you remember? The Bible uses some really good humor here. Gideon is sitting in a wine press hiding. He's down. And he's threshing some wheat to try to hide it from the Midianites so that it wouldn't be stolen and raided. And so he's hiding in a winepress and the Lord shows up and says, How you doing, mighty man of valor? And it's like, seriously, God, you too, really? Sarcasm from the Almighty, from the Lord, from the messenger of God, really? Because that it, that's what it would feel like if you're Gideon and you're sitting there kind of hiding out, trying to make a little flour for bread and the Lord's messenger shows up and says how's it going mighty man of valor good news I want to use you to defeat that army I want to use you to defeat the enemy and Gideon's like yeah um you don't know me do you because I don't really do that I kind of thresh wheat in wine presses that's my more my thing and you know how it goes he says, no, I've got some things I want you to do. And Gideon begins to do them. But of course, Gideon is so nervous about this whole thing, he says, he says, okay, I want you to prove it. Remember the two fleeces? And he puts the fleeces out, and that's where we get the term, put a fleece before the Lord. He puts two fleeces, and the Lord does exactly what he says. And so, okay, Gideon gathers an army, and he's pretty fired up. Even though it's not near enough, he gets 32,000 men of Israel to come and prepare for battle. 32,000. And they are still way outnumbered. And in Judges 7, beginning at verse 2, we read, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into the hands of Israel, or they would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now understand, the Midianites had gone to the Amalekites and gotten them as paid goons, as well as people from other eastern nations around them. So there's fundamentally three armies. And God just said, yeah, there's too many of you. God, we're way outnumbered. I know more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive what's in his. So God says to Gideon, poor Gideon, remember? He says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. 22,000 men left. Well, 10,000 remained. That wasn't a great army in the first place. 32,000 guys, 22,000 like, I'm out. Thank you, Gideon. Woo! So there's 10,000 guys left. And Gideon's like, are you happy now, Lord? It was an impossible task before. Now it's a really, really, really impossible task. But the Lord said to Gideon, not there's still too many men. Take them down to the water. I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one goes, he goes. If I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog. So they would get down on their face and just lap the water. From those who kneel down to drink, the more civilized ones. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I'll save you. Three hundred guys with no manners, three hundred barbarians. He said, I'll take those guys. And I will give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept three hundred. Who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. From thirty two thousand down to three hundred. And God says, "Okay, now we're good. And you know they won this very cool victory in the oddest of ways. God has them blow trumpets. He has them smash these ceramic pots with lights in them. So there's the, the crashing of pots, the flashing of lights. God had sent dreams into this army, so they were already afraid. And so when they blow these trumpets, they crash these pots, they light these lights, these Midianites and the Amalekites start killing one another. And 300 men put thousands upon thousands to flight without ever having to draw a sword. And God's like, yeah, that's what I intended. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in His.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Ozaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called The Doorway. We'll hear part two next week of this message called The Mathematics of Prayer. If you'd like to hear the full, unedited message right now, just go to the website, reallife.org, and click on the sermons link. But, of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the new Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.